I said, praise God, please. After the service this evening, don't run away. We have a couple of announcements coming up. So let's go into it. Romans chapter 12, um, verse 1 and verse 2. It's a scripture I believe we all know by now. This is our anchor scripture all through this conversation. It says, Paul talking to the church in Rome says, I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice only acceptable to God which is your reasonable service in verse 2 it goes on to say that do not be conformed do not be conformed to this world but be transformed be metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good what is that acceptable and what is that perfect will of God praise God part of the things we said last week was that the will of God is good God's promises are sure. God is not a man that he should lie. Therefore, whenever we see a gap between our reality and the promises of God's word, then there is a proving that needs to take place. And what proves God's will, what confirms God's will is a renewed mind. And that's why we're investing this much time because it is a critical conversation in talking about the mind renewal process. And I trust God that when we are done with this, the champion in you will receive wings to soar. In the mighty name of Jesus, that the promises, the prophecies over your life, the possibilities of God's will that have seemed unattainable for so long, by virtue of this transformed mind, you will begin to bring supernatural realities into your world. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, is that the best you've got? I said in the mighty name of Jesus. All right. So these are no ideas of men, as you will find out now. That is what real mind renewal is about. This is, these are not my ideas. Every concept will be picking from God's word. And this evening, our objective is to look at the three principal areas that lead to mind formation. The three principal areas that lead to mind formation. I want us to go to Genesis chapter 12. That is where we are this evening. Genesis chapter 12 from verse 1 to 2. I know you have your Bibles, but I'm sure they will also put it on the screen for us. The mind formation process is what we are looking at today. Mind formation. I'm emphasizing that because when we go into the mind transformation process, we'll begin to see the subtle similarities and then the nuanced differences. All right. Praise God. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Verse 2. Verse 2. Verse 2. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Glory to God. Father, thank you for illumination and revelation by your spirit. For in Jesus' name we are prayed. Amen. All right. So God, God, God shows up to Abraham and says, Abraham, there is something I want to do with you. There is something I want to do with you. And in the same way, there is a call to a generation. There is a call to a people. There is an invitation, as it were, to you, to me, to our generation. And God is saying there is something 
I want to do with you guys. There is something you, you guys are living in the best time in the history of mankind. And there is so much I want to do with you. But there is an invitation and there is a beckoning. And when Abraham, our father of faith, all right, was receiving his own invitation into destiny, as it were, God required of him to make a shift. God required of him to make a shift. The interesting thing about that requirement was that it gives us a peep, insight into the process of mind formation, into the process of mind formation. I need you to follow me. I need you to pay attention. So the very first place that Abraham or Abraham at the time before he experienced a name change is it was required to come out of his country. It was required to come out of his country. Now, why are we starting with this? Um, maybe I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but scripture tells us that if any man, if any woman be in Christ, that person, that man, that woman has become a new creation. Part of the implications of this is that the new creation has a new citizenship. The new creation has a new culture. The new creation has a new perspective. The new creation has a new language. The new creation has an entirely different approach to life. If indeed this new creation is new, then there are things we expect to have changed about this new creation. Glory to God. So the first recipe of mind formation, as we see from scripture, is your country. Somebody say your country. Somebody say your country. Therefore, it begins to shed light to us. As far as mind formation, as far as paradigms, as far as mindsets are concerned, as, as far as lenses through which we will view the world are concerned, location matters. Location matters. Location matters. So the very first feeder into the mind formation process is location. Location. And for, for those of us who are in Canada, who live in a very highly, arguably, the most multicultural country in the world, arguably, and we are, we are privileged to experience the beauty of that diversity, is you begin to see very quickly the subtleties of the place you have come from in terms of your country. And we call it culture shock because some of the things you grew up with as expectations all right, have become things that you need to now make adjustments to because you are now, as it were, in a new country. For, for, for many of you who have driven, all right, on roads back from wherever it is um, you have come from, if you've come from where I have come from, glory to God, glory to God. Where, where I've come from, once the traffic light is red, and when you stop... <laughs> Because it is red, you're going to have people screaming and shouting that why are you stopping? And and you you almost begin to wonder, can't we all see that it is red? Except that there are places where red means stop, and there are places, glory to God, where red means fire on, come on, fire on. Did you just land here? I immediately they know you just arrived. 
Praise God. Praise God. So there are going to be subtleties by location. And the, the things I want us to pay attention to here mainly are transgenerational mindsets. Transgenerational mindsets by virtue of location. All right. Tr subtle transgenerational mindsets of this is the way we do things. This is the way you were brought up. This is the way things function around here. For you to get things done, you have to get things done in this particular way. All right? We need to pay attention to that because now that we've been brought into a new country, and I'm not speaking of a physical, geographical country, I'm talking of a new kingdom that we have received. We need to pay attention to the formation process of our early days and how we became how we are. How we became how we are. All right. For, for, for many people also, let me just stay on the illustration of being on the road. Once you see someone indicating that they want to make a left turn into your lane, where I'm from, where I'm from, we treat the lanes like our birthright. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to take over your bank account. It's just a lane change. But here, you know, you just need to get, you just know they're going to wait. You know they're going to wait. Praise God. If you are going for a road test, you know that the job your teacher is doing is not your driving skills. It's mainly in your mind. Mainly in your mind. Mainly in your mind. <laughs> Praise God. We could go on and on, on and on about that. All right, so let's reverse back to our conversation. There was a generation of people that came out of Egypt and that were on the way into the promised land. They had the predominant mentality of slavery. And what that meant is that they knew nothing about owning anything. The number one characteristic of a slave is that they lack an ownership mentality. A slave owns nothing. Rather, a slave is owned as a property. And many of us are looking back to the countries we have come from and some of the mind expectations that we have. We begin to see that there are subtle decision-making processes that the principal guiding force is not the word of God. It's not even the culture of the time, as it were. But there are things that you have transgenerationally inherited. And this brings me to a conversation about what is plaguing our world today in terms of discrimination and racism. There's been a lot of talk that the color of our skin is just the color of our skin and that beyond the color of our skin, we are all the same. That is true that this is just pigmentation. But it is also true that we are not the same. Because the culture that has shaped us, now I need you to follow me, the culture that has shaped us has preserved certain mind expectations. Certain mind expectations that even though we say that it's just pigmentation, but because of the way it's been systematized, there are expectations that you automatically disqualify yourself from. There are things you do not even bother applying to because it doesn't apply to people of your color. It doesn't apply to people of your background. 
We see these biases play out in a lot of places, not, not because it is not true. Genetically, genetically, when if it's a normal person, you check their DNA, you check the DNA, same DNA, same strands, same sequence, all right, with its peculiarities, you check the lungs, same lungs, same hearts, same, but there are patterns that even epidemiologists and other experts pay attention to the role of demographics. It's not necessarily their soil or their water. It is what the culture has preserved. The pigment of the skin has left the skin and it has entered to the pigment of the mind. That is why a typical person of... We've been, we've been told that black isn't the color, and I agree. So that, those are pigment conversations. But a typical person from a certain background gets $1,000. I'm giving an example now. And the very first thing he thinks about is now I can buy a gold watch. Now I can buy Air Jordans. Now I can get the bling I've always desired. Now I can... And what, what he's showing here is that there's been a transgenerational conversation of endemic poverty that money cannot solve. Now money has come, but they are still poor in their minds because there is this pressure to show it. There are people who can't go out if the cloth they are putting on isn't designer. All right? They forget that these designers are people like them, except that they are not people like them. The designers have an ownership mentality. You will wear what I make. The ones who believe they are, they are now rich, but they are still poor in their minds, believe if I've not won you, then I don't have any esteem. You see the subtle differences that at some point, the, the colorism that we've brought into the skin pigmentation leaves the skin, enters into the mind. There's money in your hands. Someone else is thinking, how can I multiply this and build it? Someone else is saying, how can I show you now that I have arrived? The difference is the country. The transgenerational communications. Now, this is how things are done in this place. All that crap they say outside, it's just say, this is really how things are. And there are many Christians who have entered into, as it were, a new kingdom, but they've come with the expectations of their country. They've come with the same expectations of their country. The same expectations of their country. So the first place that God asks Abraham to come out from is his country. He's saying not just a change of physical or geographical location, but the mindsets that have been transmitted to you growing up in that place, you are going to have to let go of them and replace them with the new mindsets of this kingdom. And it is my prayer for everyone under the sound of my voice that every way that the fullness of God's promises for your life have been limited by the transgenerational mindsets that we have imbibed and received. It is my prayer that the grace to break free from all of those released unto you and that you will walk in the fullness of the rights and the privileges that your new citizenship in Christ affords you. In the mighty name of Jesus, somebody say glory to God. <clears throat> glory to God. So the first place is your country. Location matters. Location matters. Number two, he says, come out from your people. Come out from your people. Now, this is a suggestion that beyond the widely accepted cultural norms, there is a concept of tribes, a concept of tribes, your own people. Same country, but your own people. And I am really hoping 
I'm going to say this just once. I, you know, there are some things I say once. Maybe someone can make a journal of things I say once and we'll find a time to break them down. I say them once because I'm sometimes heavily tempted to break them down and we would have left completely what we're talking about. So I'm going to say this once. The reason why we have denominations in the body of Christ is the exact same reason why the house of Jacob or Israel inherited the blessing, but it was manifested in different tribes. So many people are saying tribes are a symbol of division. Need to go back and study that they all carried the blessing, but they manifested it. Some were prominent, some were not prominent, some were heard up, some were not heard up. So we'll leave that for another day. Praise God. I said praise God. So there is a conversation about coming out from your people, and this would suggest the culturally accepted norms and the culturally accepted values. The culturally accepted norms and the culturally accepted values. I would say that one more time. The culturally accepted norms and the culturally accepted values. Many years ago when I was still a lot younger, let me just put it that way, a lot, lot, lot younger, we had a family friend who had traveled to the United States to study. Um, I think it was part of the diversity visa program. I think so, if I recall clearly. And when she called back and she was just saying hello to us, she was complaining on how everybody thought she was weird. We're like, explain a bit more. So she gets to class and she meets a professor. And the first thing she does is she does this and says, I hope the camera is capturing this. says, good morning, sir. And if they are female professors, good morning, ma. And the guys there couldn't get it. She would see her colleagues calling People are the older than her father. First name, hey, Jake. Hey, Jim. Hey, John. Hey. She couldn't get it. <laughs> the place where I'm from, you call your teacher, Jake, John, you are done. <laughs> you are done. She couldn't understand it. And they, they, they really, I'm, I'm being very clear in our words, they had to schedule her for a mental health checkup because nobody got it. Why, why are you kneeling? Why are you saying, ma, sir? For a lot of you who have moved here now, sometimes... You are composing emails, and the way you address the emails, you factor in the culture. All right. Sometimes you say, hey, Jane, all right. If you are writing to someone from your place, you say, Good evening, ma. <laughs> Good evening, sir. Because you know it matters to them. If only the things that really mattered mattered to our people. Praise God. Praise God. Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16. If you can put it on the screen for us. Ruth chapter 1 verse 16. So God was telling Abraham, not only do you have to come out from your country, your country was very important in your mind formation process. In this new nation I am forming with you, we are going to need to adjust the mentality of that country. It says also you will need to come out from your people. We are going to have to work on the norms and the values. Many of us grew up in families where it was just normal to have um, a place we went to whenever we had important things to do. 
any important occasion. Our parents had like a go-to person. They had different names. Some were prophets. Some had other forms of names. And you would go there. Some of them would make incantations. Some of them would make incisions. And all of those funny things that we did or that they did. And it's, uh, it's amazing that some of, of those practices, some came into Christianity and just copied and pasted the same practices. Church is where we go to on Sundays, but the prophet or whatever name you give them, those are the ones we really go to when push comes to shove, when we need what works now. God is too patient. So when we need what works now, we know where we go. And God is saying, in this new kingdom, we don't roll like that. There's going to be a need not just to come out physically, not just to show up in church on Sundays, but those norms and values have to be submitted and new ones picked that are in alignment with our practice in this kingdom. Praise God. I said, praise God. All right, it's on the screen. But Ruth said to Naomi, entreat me not to leave you. He says, stop, let's stop having this conversation or to turn back from following after you because I am not going back. Destiny was beckoning on her. There was, there was something that she carried on her inside. It says, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Location. Your people will be my people. Culture. She's saying, I am willing to adopt a new culture. He says, and your God, I know the idols. I know the idols of my father's house. I know the things we did. I know the practices we had. And I, I sense very strongly that there's some under my voice. You've preserved a mixing of the Christianity you claim to have and some of the idol practices that you had from the previous generation. It, see, you will need to break away. You will need to come out. And it is my prayer that the grace to do that be released to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. It's amazing. The conversation about peoples, and I say this with absolute respect. I say this with deep respect. I say this because I'm led to say it. When you look at um, what the average black person has gone through, you now begin to understand our interpretation of the gospel. Like someone said, I, I do not know the author of the quote, but it is definitely not my quote. It says, we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world through the lens of our lenses. So when the black man or the black race received the gospel, that package was seen as a supernatural tool that had a promise of deliverance of something better. Listen to me. And how do I know this? You, you look at the songs that have been termed gospel. Many people don't know. We'll talk about music in, in, in the course of this series. But many people think gospel music means music about good news. You are correct because that is what it should mean. But gospel is actually a genre of music. The way we have waltz, blues, blues R&B, Latin, folk, classical Oriental, Asian, Midwest, all those, they have gospel. And when you listen to a lot of the songs, the songs were songs about pain. And 
in today's world, when you structure the kinds of music we have in Christendom, you will see that they fall into two major categories. There is someone who still has slavery and suffering in their minds, and it is expressed through their songs. He put food on my table. He woke me up this morning. He paid my bills with due respect. It is God that did all of those things. But you just find out that we can't just stop singing about pain. We can't just seem to stop singing about pain. And there is another group or category that is just, you know, never knew pain, never knew slavery. Oh, Father, I love you. You're just chasing me. You know, songs that are very poetic. Oh, the average black man is looking at the lyrics. What's this? Is this song or poem? Your people. Your people. Your people. My people. Praise God. Praise God. So God is saying to us here, there is a coming out from your country. There is a coming out from your people. And I'm looking at my time because the main place we need to come out from is the number three place. Many of us have successfully come out of our countries, and I speak metaphorically. A lot of us have successfully, I mean, for the, for the average serious Christian, truth is that you've broken away from the chains of your people, the cultural expectations, the things we did every Monday, every Sunday, every weekend, or, or whatever all of those things are. You've been able to accept that Christ is not in support of all of these practices that my mom taught me, all of these practices that my dad taught me, all of these things that my uncles and my parents did whenever they were together, my aunts, and, you know, I know God's hand is in there, so I do not participate. I love them. I love them, all right? I love them sincerely, all right? But I know now that there is now a major value difference. So a lot of us have left countries, a lot of us have left peoples and cultures. The most difficult and the most significant, if you can put again for me, Genesis chapter 12 verse 1, the most difficult place to come out from is from your father's household. That is the roof over your head. It's symbolic. I know people listening will say, why is it not your mother's household? Why is it not your mother? It's amazing. I, I heard a story about a particular country. I won't say the country. I won't say the country. Uh, I heard from two sources. So, scripturally, it's credible. And for some of you listening, you might know the country I'm talking about. Some are saying we know it. So, let me just, let's delete one choice. It's not Nigeria, okay? So, let's take that out. But this country, I was told that the men in that country somehow just seem to amount to nothing. Nothing. All land, of course, all there will mean most. Most land is owned by women. Most businesses run by women. Even energy-intensive tasks that are stereotypically attached to the male, they are done by women. That the men are culturally, this is countrywide now, some of you might know the region I'm talking about, that what the men predominantly do, let me tell you, they read newspaper and they drink alcohol. Predominantly. Predominantly. So someone from that kind of background gets born again, begins to interact with God's word, and begins to see great and mighty promises, and there is nobody from his family that he can use as a yardstick that it is possible. Nobody. 
absolutely nobody. And that's why many people were fighting for inclusion and diversity. The reason is because as our children grow up, they are looking for examples. Examples. They are, they are looking. I, I was listening, and I say this again with due respect, um, to a lady, a, a lady minister of the gospel. She was just singing, and in the course of the song, she said, um, let the future presidents shout hallelujah, or something like that. And said, let the future first ladies shout hallelujah. And immediately I saw paradigms play. This was a lady. Why can't the, the ladies be presidents? Subconsciously, it's the man. And the first ladies are the wives of the presidents. Representation. All right, so back to this country I speak of. You know, you're looking and he's wondering, no man makes it. Maybe this Bible is Bible for women. It has, because from his own country, men do not amount to anything. And I want to speak directly to someone under the sound of my voice. Stop looking for templates where God has brought you from. What God is set to do with you is a new thing. By the time God was calling Abraham out, there were not too many people he could recruit as mentors or aspirational figures of what looked like what God is taking him to. And God started telling him, look up. Stop looking around. Look up. He says, as far as you can see, look at the stars. This is the greatness potential. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will greatly increase you. Stop looking around for examples to measure the greatness God can achieve with you. Dear child of God, come out. Let me look for someone beside you. Give them a high five. Say, come out. Glory to God. I said, glory to God. So there is a coming out from country, coming out from people, most importantly, coming out from your father's household. That is the place of the subculture. Subculture. The values instilled in you growing up. Some of the family values you have. We learn these things growing up. Some learn values of kindness. Some learn values of hostility. There are some Christians you meet today. They grew up in polygamous homes. If you, want to under, if you want to understand competitive brutality, competitive brutality, all right, study the average polygamous family. So someone like that becomes born again. New creation, tongue talking, demon shooting, all right, fire blazing, and they just have not broken from the fact that everything is fight. Everything is fight. Ev everything is competition. Why? They grew up in that subculture of competition. Some have learned tenderness. Some have learned kindness. Some have learned wickedness. Some have learned wickedness. There are people, and I say this, tongue lashing powerful believers who still beat their wives. Where did they learn it from? Definitely not scriptures. But they saw daddy do it. Daddy saw grandpa do it. Grandpa saw great grandpa do it. But now you've come into a new kingdom. You've come, and it seems you will be shocked at how normal it is for some people. You'll be shocked. Some, some might listen to this and say, he doesn't know what he's saying. You need to put them in order sometimes. You, you know that there's a stronghold that needs to be broken. Solid stronghold. Hmm. Solid stronghold. Some have that consciousness of gender roles. 
Daddy sits down in the parlor, crosses his leg, watches TV. Mommy is in the kitchen cooking. And you grow up with that? <laughs> and you get married today, and your wife says, oh, babe, um, can you come in the kitchen? Key what? Because from your own subculture, the kitchen is not for men. Someone is saying these things are so a kick. You will be shocked at how much it still exists in 2020. The raising of the male child has become a dent and a stain to society. It's the girl, the girl child. She must be the one perfect for the man, perfect for the husband's house. And you'll be shocked how many people still have that ideology and that mentality today. Still have that mentality today. Praise God. I said praise God. Some learn values like punctuality, growing up, punctuality. Their families, you know them, nobody ever shows up late. It's a family value. It's a fa When you call the meeting 5 p.m. and you get there, you know, one person, you know who that one person is. Because as a value system, it's been ingrained in them from their own subculture. Now the flip lesson to this is irrespective of your country, irrespective of your culture, we have the ability to preserve a, fa a, a, a subculture in our own household. And that is where the game really is played. That is where the work needs to be done. It, you begin to learn things about food and gluttony from a family level. Hmm. Let, me, let me share a story with you guys. So, the way my parents brought us up is very funny. <laughs> very funny bringing. In fact, the more I think about it, I, I, I respect my parents a lot more for how they brought us up. If I tell you where I grew up, the street I grew up, you will not believe it. So there's no use telling you. Let me just paint a little picture. Every morning, every morning when we wake up, every morning, you wake up to the sound of blasting music. Blasting solid Fuji music. So for those who are wondering, it's not Jesus who exalts No, it's not Jesus who exalts you. Solid, solid, conk, worldly music. Every day. The, the guy who owned that label, that outfit, had a little bit of the fear of God. So on Sunday mornings, he will play. When we are driving out, we will hear him play a few Christian songs. But by the time we are back from church, business as usual, we lived in that for years. You wake up also to fumes of cigarettes and MJ. Many people, you know, it pass by pleasant weed. People are like, oh, how do you know? <laughs> how do you not know? Grew up in that kind of environment. We're neighbors to, to I'm, I'm trying to use a dignifying word, but you can imagine neighbors. Let's just say we're neighbors to those guys. Let me just put it that way. Neighbors, let me, for those, when you wake up and you come out and they see your parents, they say, daddy, daddy, mommy, mommy. So you know the kind of people I'm talking about. That was where we grew up. So how we turned out, the way we turned out remains not a mystery. Now I understand the power of subculture in your household. How you decide that this is how these children will turn out. So back to my conversation about food and gluttony. The way my parents raised us up, if you are served food, you never empty your plate. If you are served a drink, you never empty your cup. And I'm wondering, what are we leaving it for? <laughs> what are we leaving the rest for? And part of that training also 
was that before we go out, if we have to visit guests, you have to attend a function, they will give us food in the house. It might not be the best food, but you, you will not leave the house hungry. So now when you get there, you are not, food is not passing, and you're like, oh, I've not eaten, there's no food in my house, we are suffering. Even if you are suffering, you will you, fill it up with something. There was this particular day, boy, oh boy. I remember it so clearly now. Trust me, I'm healed. The Lord has healed me. The pain is gone. Glory to God. But I remember it clearly. It was a Sunday function. There was a big party. And my dad was invited to pray for the celebrant. Big party. Normally, we would have gone home at lunch so that our typical, you don't go to party hungry, all right, isn't part of the conversation. Um, but time, we ran out of time. My dad said, oh, you can come with me. I was like, yes. It was on the way I remembered. I had not eaten. Hmm. I'm going to get to this party hungry. How am I going to behave myself? I was processing the permutations and combinations in my head. God, how am I going to do this? So we got to the party. As we drove into the compound, guess what I saw? Guys, you won't believe it. I saw a truck. The name of the truck was Tantalizers. You guys don't understand. This was a new restaurant. I don't, I'm not sure if they're still in business today. But in that year, they were like the biggest deal in town. Now, going there was reserved for big boys and big girls. Now, they were in your house at your party. I said, what? And we're not paying food? Boy, I saw the plates serving. I saw the chicken of a size that if I gum and glue the size and portions I had in my house for a week, it's still up. I said, what is going on? Everything. And then they came to the table where my dad was. And they said, oh, what, what do we serve you, sir? And my dad said, oh, nothing. So they turned to me. I said, what do we give you? Ah, I knew better than to talk. I looked at him. My dad shook his head. He said, no, we will have nothing. I said, daddy, speak for yourself. We, we, we what? And I, guys, I was young, so please pardon what I'm about to say next. I saw people around me eating, 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 marrying. When it was time for my dad to pray for the celebration, I couldn't even say amen. After a while, my dad said, it's time to go. I looked at him. Ah. I said, it's time to go. I didn't know when. I just burst into tears. <laughs> I started crying. People around me, is he okay? Is he? They didn't know. They thought I, I, someone told me, he said I was hot. Now I know I, I probably was hot. I said, What? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. But it was training. It was training. I shed the tears, but I learned the lesson. Am I not alive today? Can eat anywhere, anything I want. Praise God. Praise God. But the power of a subculture within that household, we can we can plant the values that we want to be upheld here. There are values towards money. Values towards money. You learn them at the value of subculture. There are many who growing up, the only thing they heard was that we make money and we spend it. We make money and we spend it. Money is for spending. You only live once. If you gather all the wealth together, do you want others to come and enjoy it? So you make the money, we spend it. And that is why, you know, I said sometimes the pigment is not just about your skin, but the pigment of your mind. You find very few transgenerational wealth businesses within a particular culture because the upbringing is not very much more than tomorrow. It's very much today. Very much today. 
You make the money, you spend it, and then you blow it. I fought for this wealth. Then my children will come and fight. They all fight for their own wealth. And then the ones after them will fight for their own. And there's that generation of we make it, we blow it. Then you come discover yourself. It is my prayer that that mind, that, that sick mind of myopia, of sin only today, it will be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. Also at the level of the household, at the sub-level, all right, you learn not just attitude about money. You learn attitude about wealth conception. There are some homes where the core is we save money. We save money. So you, from when you were children, they buy you these, I think they're called piggy banks here. You know, very fancy name. Growing up, we called it Kolo. Kolo. Wooden box. One entry point, no exit point. You stuff your coins, you stuff your, note, your notes there. All right, and that's saving culture. For some other people, the emphasis is on looking rich, even if you are broke. Just look rich. Look rich. You see people who don't know how the school fees will be paid tomorrow, but they must throw a party today. People must know that we are not suffering. So you are living to please the Joneses, spending money you don't have, to impress the people that won't notice it. So we run broke at the end of the day and wallow in debt. And now we've come to the West. You still see it playing out. People who are rich, but they are broke in their minds. They can't wear a watch. Same watch, same time, same quality, same sophistication, different name, different logo. If it doesn't have name and logo, their mind tells them something else. And you look at some of the richest people in the world. They've broken free from that poverty mindset. They might not look like it. Praise God. Praise God. Also, at this household level, we begin to say, set expectations of pursuit and ambition. Expectation of pursuit and ambition. I, I, I can remember as we begin to tie this up now, I was invited to a place. It was a family gathering. I couldn't believe it. A family gathering and all the families that traveled in from various parts of the world, they, they held it in Toronto. They had flown in from the U.S., from the States, everybody. And when you are introducing yourself, you introduce yourself, your wife, you introduce your children, you introduce what your children are doing and where they are doing it. Talk of pressure. And I, I heard it was an annual event. As I speak, some of you know families like that. They've set the bar so high for performance. Performance. We must, if you are not going to be a medical doctor, just know whatever you study, you are doing PhD. It's not for grabs. It's not that, you know, I just, I'm, I'm beginning to, to like flowers now. I'm beginning to like. We don't do that in this family. Look at your uncle. Look at your auntie. Medical doctor, psychiatrist. Your sister's cousin is a lawyer, but not just a lawyer. As PhD in jurisprudence. You must. And I looked at the family. And I saw the power of subculture. Family after family. Oh, my name is this. My beautiful wife is this. My son is now studying in Harvard. This one is now in Yale. This one is now in... The power of subculture. Ambition was already planted in. Someone like that, you know, is dating someone. I say, so what are your plans for tomorrow? I say, I don't, I don't know. I just want to, I just want to feel 
you know, I want to freelance. You just know immediately. If I take this one, if I take this one home, <laughs> my father will kill this one. So let me just save you. Let me save you the stress. You cannot align with this value system. You cannot align with this value system. Life paradigms essentially are formed at the level of this household level, this subculture. Scarcity paradigms, victim paradigms, entitlement paradigms, supremacy paradigms, etiquettes, confidence, self-esteem. Some of it is made or broken in this father's house level. Some people speak, they can't look. I know there's culture to this. In some cultures, when you're speaking to someone and you're looking straight into their eyes, it's arrogant. For some other people, that speaks of confidence. There are people to the adults. They can't talk and they, this is how they speak. Because something in them was broken in their father's house. Their child of God, why are we learning all of this? The word of God is not weak, it's powerful. However, proving God's will, proving God's will will require a transformation of our mind. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 and 15, as we begin to tie this up. Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15. Joshua 24, thank you. It says, now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. It says, put away the gods which your father served. We are now in the land of promise. We are now in a new place. Put away that old country. Break away from that old people. The things from your father's house, not consistent with the new creation. Put them away. It says, your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. It says, you serve the Lord. You serve the Lord. Let's go on. You serve the Lord. He says, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves. And this is my message to you. It is possible to raise a God-fearing family in the worst location on earth because of the subculture. Dear parent, don't be scared that you have to raise kids in 2020 or in this so-called new generation. Say the kids don't listen. These kids don't listen. The government doesn't even want you to raise your kids well. You can call the police on your dad or on your mom. And there's that fear subconsciously planted into you. Are you scared? No, no, no. Do not accept that. Do not, the word of God tells us otherwise. It says, choose for yourself. If they can put it back on my screen. Choose for yourself who you will serve today. If it's evil to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. It says now this is a statement I want us to make. Whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're expecting, all right, or whether you have children currently. It says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will break away from our country, the old country. We will break away from our people's, the old culture. We will break away from our father's household, the old one. And as we have become new creation, we will adopt the culture, the norms, the values of this new creation. Come on, say it with me one more time. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will subscribe to his ways. We will think his thoughts. We will see as he sees. 
We will speak as he speaks. We will create as he creates. We will walk in faith as he walks in faith. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Before we pray this evening, I want us, if they can put it on your screen, um, there's a name composed by an author named, I think, B.B. McKinsey, if I recall the name. Sorry, I just stepped out of your frame for a second. It's going to be on your screen. I want to read just the words. We are not singing it. And then we'll wrap up um, this evening. Please, 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 it gets deeper from here. This is the mind formation process. The big deal is transformation. I want you to invite everyone you know to join us next week, Wednesday. It says, God, give us Christian homes. Is it on your screen? Okay, you have it. And this is my prayer this evening as I round up. Homes where the master's will is sought. Homes crowned with beauty your love has wrought. God, give us Christian homes. God, give us Christian homes. God, give us Christian homes. Homes where the father is true and strong. Homes that are free from the blight of wrong. Homes that are joyous with love and song. God, give us Christian homes. God, give us Christian homes. Homes where the mother is caring, where the mother in caring quests strives to show others your way is best. Homes where the Lord is an honored guest. God, give us Christian homes. God, give us Christian homes. Homes. Are we on the same slide? Homes. Where the children are led to know Christ in his beauty who loves them so. Homes where the altar fires burn and glow. God, give us Christian homes. What do you take away from this evening's service? It's time to start designing your subculture based on the word of God. Do we wake up in this house? The first place we go to is the kitchen. Do we wake up in this house? The first thing that comes on is the TV. Or does everybody know? Angels know. Demons know. The children know. The neighbors know that the first thing in this house is prayer. God is honored. Jesus at the center. If you can bring it up a bit as we begin to pray. At the center of it all, it's you that we see. It's you that we see. At the center of it all, it's you that we see. It's you that we see. And there is power in your name. Thank you, Jesus. Miracles happen in your name. And as we lift a voice in praise, it's you that we see. It's you that we see. For there is power in your name. Oh, miracles happen in your name. 
as we lift our voice in praise. It's you that we see. It's you that we see. I want to pray for you this evening under the sound of my voice. The first category of people I want to pray for, you know you are not born again. You know your name is not written in the book of life. You know you've not come out. You've not come out. You are very much in. In tune with the culture. In tune with the world. In tune. Your associations. Your time. Your priorities. Your desires. Your wants. Your affection. Your, your obsession. You know you are still very much in tune with the world. There is an invitation to come out. Do not accept the lie that this new kingdom is boring and there is no life. This is where real life is. This is where real joy is. Not the ups and downs of happiness and depravity and, 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 and fake, fake relationships and fake excitement that wears off and needs a constant supply. We have joy. We have peace. Righteousness, peace, and joy at the foundation of this new kingdom. I want to invite you, as the Spirit of God is working on your heart, do not fight him. Acknowledge your need for a Savior. Believe in your heart that Christ died for you. He was buried for you. The grave could not hold him down, and he remains alive today. Confess him as your Lord and as your Savior. The second category of people I want to pray for. You are born again, but there are certain things you've not left. I don't know what they are. Some of you might be idols, literal idols. For some of you, it might be idols, figurative idols. For some of you, you are looking at the opportunities you missed, the things you did not aspire to because of the culture of your father's house. Are you root yourself of? Third category of people I want to pray for. You are a parent or you are a parent to be. You trust God and you love God. But one of your biggest fears is raising godly children in this time. I want to pray for those three groups of people very quickly. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the anointing of your spirit. Thank you for your word that has come our way this evening. We are forever changed by you. Thank you for the revelation of Jesus. I agree with your sons and your daughters making a decision this evening. Saying they are breaking away from their past, breaking away from the sin, breaking away from the world, and they are ready to enter into a new phase and a new chapter. I pray, Father, as they acknowledge you, as they believe in their hearts, they confess you as Lord and Savior, that your life will invade them. That their names are written in the book of life and they receive the grace to live a life that pleases you. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for as many who are born again, but have things from their countries, things from their people, things from their fathers also that they are yet to break away from. I release the grace that allows for total separation, that allows them to experience the fullness of their authority in Christ, the fullness of their new identity that allows them to realize uh, that this old man, this old man is dead and gone, mortified. This old man is gone such that the new man can have maximum expression. Whether it is physical, whether it is mental idols that they've struggled with, we break every chain that continues to tie them to Egypt 
every affection that they have from their past life. We break it in the mighty name of Jesus. And we decree that that daughter of God, that son of God is free. Free, free, free to enter into the fullness of the newness that God has made available for them. I pray for that parent under the sound of my voice. That they will receive the rest of God. And the wisdom to raise godly children in this land. I know we have a wide audience wherever you are listening from. The grace to raise godly seed where you are is released in the name of Jesus. Thank you, gracious Father. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name. Come on, come on, wherever you are. Jump your heads together. Give the Lord a big shout. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at kicccanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you are a champion. God bless you.